What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is, well, actually, yeah, it is Friday, February 16th, 2024. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. What a shitty couple of weeks we've had. We have more. We had more snow earlier this week. Um, we had we have snow coming tonight. It, it's just going to be a mess with with, with this weather. I, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm over it. I don't know, you know, what more we can do, but we need the spring. We need to get past this crappy weather, um, because it's pissing me off. And quite frankly, it's been a bad week. All right. So Monday we had snow. No, Tuesday we had. We had the snow, so we were. I was off from work on Tuesday, as a lot of people were here on the East Coast, New Jersey, and um, went back to work Wednesday. No, what? What? No, I'm I'm losing losing track, losing sight of my days. Anyway, I um, was at softball practice late one night. I want to say that was. Maybe Monday night into Tuesday. I think that's what it was. And um, get in my car to leave. Now, my car is a brand new 2023. I just leased it in December, Nissan Rogue. And I get in my car. I pull out of the parking lot. And my tire pressure is down to 21 PSI. Just fabulous. My It's my rear driver's side um, wheel down to 21 PSI, and immediately I know that, that there's a problem. Something's, I, I ran over a nail, something is in my is in my wheel. So I pull off into like the next shopping center because I'm, you know, stunat. I should have just stayed in the college campus and pulled off and checked it. But either way, I was able to see something was in the tire, some piece of metal of some sort. And lo and behold, I have a air compressor, you know, a portable one that I bought on Amazon uh, a few years back and it plugs into the cigarette lighter. I know they make like portable ones that run on battery power now that I see on TikTok all the time, but I have this one and I keep it in my garage because other people in my family like to use it when they need to pump up their tires, especially in the winter when that dreaded tire pressure light goes on because it's really cold in the mornings. And that's where it was in my garage. So great place for it. But luckily, I was able to find a Wawa. I pumped it up a little bit, was able to just make it home, called AAA because, well, you have AAA, might as well call it, uh, call them. My friends were making fun of me. It's like, don't you know how to change a tire? And it's, yeah, but I'm also uh, paying for, or okay, my dad's paying for AAA. So we called them. Guy came out, super nice, took an hour to. Uh, to get here, and then um, he put the spare tire on my car, and then during the snowstorm on Tuesday, um, I drove it up the road, mile or two, on the donut, and uh, got the tire fixed. Um, it was a spike of some sort, a little piece of metal that was in there. Luckily, it was in the tread, and I didn't have to buy a new tire, so they were able to patch it. I'm good to go. So that started my week off just beautifully. Then Wednesday, I'm leaving work, 
go on over to softball practice. Um, I'm always getting there about 345 and practice usually starts around then. So I like to hurry it up and get there. Sometimes they start earlier. So I'm a little bit late. Not a big deal because obviously I'm coming from uh, my main job and, and my dad's running the practices anyway. But anyway, uh, I get to the parking lot and as soon as I get out of my car, now it's that like concrete type of parking lot. You know, it's got the jagged edges like you drop something like your phone in that parking lot. It's getting messed up. And that's exactly what happened. I was wearing, I'm going to admit right now, because they're actually very nice pants. They fit me well. I bought them on a whim for like, I don't know, less than 10 bucks or something a few years ago. And I don't wear them all that often, but we were practicing inside in the gym and I wanted some, you know, um, like gym type uh, pants to wear. And so uh, I'd gone through a bunch of my, um, my navy blue ones and my Adidas ones. And I was like, let me just switch it up and throw these in the bag. So I had those on. To my dismay, I did not realize that my phone would just slip right out as I got out of the car because they don't have zippers or anything. And my phone had my wallet case on the back of it, my MagSafe wallet case on the back of it, which maybe helped protect the phone itself. But my nice, beautiful $60 Pacific Blue um, fine woven iPhone 15 Pro case got a nice little gash or dent in the top left corner or top left uh, edge. And... My OCD kicks in. I tried to sand it down a little bit. Looks horrible. That's been trashed. I have it to the side or in a drawer somewhere over here. Um, yeah, $60 wasted down the tr down the tubes. And luckily, I have my backup clear case that I got for free uh, for reviewing it. So I have that on the case uh, on the phone right now, but I'm super bummed about that. And... Um, so that's twice in the college parking lot that I had things bad happen in the last in this this week alone. Um, but I digress. Anyway, I ordered a leather iPhone 15 Pro case from AliExpress. Nice little China joint. It, it's not um standard Apple case, although it's got the Apple logo on the back, which is what I was looking for. It was like $12 or $13. We'll take a couple of weeks to get here. But if you don't know, real quick story, Apple discontinued the leather case, which was their most expensive $60 case on the iPhones. And I had gotten that a few years back for, I don't know, iPhone 12, 11, whatever it was. And I dropped that in the parking lot at the college as well. And that got destroyed. So yeah, should have learned my lesson. But for like 12 bucks, um, since they discontinued the leather one, they started making this fine woven one this year, and people have hated it. It's made of crappy materials. It's like almost like this suede, but it's not, and people say it fades, and it discolors, and they just don't like it, and it's falling apart. I loved the thing. It was a little bit slippery in my hands, don't get me wrong, but I really liked it, had no problems with it. So um, I tried to find that one again on eBay, etc. Couldn't find that, so I scrapped that idea, and then I found out that AliExpress is selling leather ones that look legitimate, work with MagSafe, pop it in, you get the nice little ring, and it's leather because Apple isn't making the leather this year. So I was like, for 12, 14 bucks, why not? If it doesn't fit uh, great or I don't really like it, I can always go back to my clear case and I'll be perfectly fine. So yeah, not great. Um, we're supposed to have practice tomorrow too. They canceled that, which is kind of a bummer, but now I don't have to wake up early. I can relax. Have a nice weekend, nice long three-day weekend. But uh, anyway, with that being said, I digress. We've got a lot to get into. It's NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, we got to talk Super Bowl. Um, 
some college hoops. Rutgers shout out four in a row last night. They've been really good since they got these couple uh, transfers in. Uh, anyway, um, we got to talk Caitlin Clark. She broke the record finally last night as well. Uh, what else? Um, I don't know. We're just talking everything sports, okay? Because the Super Bowl might be over, but the buck don't stop here, okay? We're, we've got uh, pitchers and catchers. Spring training has started for just about every team, I think, now. Um, again, We've got the dunk contest. We've got the three-point shooting contest, skills competition. We've got Steph versus Sabrina. Are you kidding me? Um, I'm anxiously awaiting that because, God forbid, I just if Steph Curry loses that, I, I don't, I don't know if I could handle it. Um, I know, you know, Sabrina's a great shooter and everything, but come on, Steph is the goat. He loses to her. He loses all credibility, and I don't know if I could root for the man anymore. But, uh, you know, all. Joking aside, it should be really fun. Um, and anyway, we get the cool LED interactive uh, court. I've seen previews of what that looks like. Um, all right. With that being said, let's just jump right in. What do we got? Episode 234 of This Week in Sports. All right, last week I spoke about, on Friday's episode last week, I talked about how bizarre it was that Chip Kelly was leaving UCLA, leaving his position as head coach of UCLA to become Ohio State's next offensive coordinator. Well, we have a little bit of clarity on this, and I guess maybe it's shame on me, but um, I was only born in 1992, so I don't go back, you know, 40 years or, you know, any more than 30 30, 35 years. So I did not know um, lower level, you know, college football. But uh, apparently Chip Kelly coached Ryan Day at New Hampshire back in the day. So that's the connection there. Still is to me a little bit bizarre, but it, it it's evident Chip Kelly has wanted out. I don't know the whole NIL stuff. It, it's brutal to be a head coach right now in this whole college landscape. So it wouldn't surprise me. I know he was seeking out um, trying to get back in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. So it, it's starting to make a little bit more sense uh, as to why Chip Kelly wanted uh, not only wanted out, but why he chose to go to Ohio State probably when uh, he wasn't able to get a job in the NFL. So there's that. I just wanted to uh, mention that. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta really start off the show with unfortunately some some tragic uh, news coming out of the college sports landscape. Most uh, notably, it is uh, college football, one of the lesser known programs, but they made a little bit of some noise in uh, the March Madness tournament. Uh, within the last couple of years, might have even been last year, but it is uh, a college football player from Furman, defensive tackle Bryce Stanfield. Unfortunately, he died at the age of 21 after collapsing during a practice at Paladin Stadium in Greenville, South Carolina. I don't know if it's Paladin or Paladin. There's no uh, E at the end of that, but um, I probably should know that. But anyway... Uh, Stanfield, he ended up, so I was reading about this story. It's a little, it, this always happens, unfortunately. I, I'm not going to say always, but when this happens to these college football players, it's typically like in the heat, dead heat of summer. Cause again, South Carolina, I have a, we have a vacation home there. It gets very hot in the summers. And usually that's when these guys are working out 
and that's when they collapse and and end up dying. But this is a little bit odd that it happened in you know February, um, and I, I believe it was on uh, Friday. I don't know if I said that. I believe he died on Friday. He actually was in the hospital for two days, surrounded by his um, you know football family, if you will, and and I'm sure his you know own family and loved ones. Um, but he was a defensive tackle, so you're thinking, okay, he's a big kid. But typically, whereas you will see more more so with with um, the black community or even black players, they tend to have like your heart conditions. So we see that a lot of times with those players. But uh, Stanfield was a white player. He was 21 years old, peak health, you would think, right? Because even though he was a D tackle, I seen pictures. I saw pictures of him. He did not look, um, you know, over overweight. He, you know, D tackles are supposed to be, you know, pretty big dudes, but he didn't seem like he was, you know, that big at all. So I don't think it was anything heart related. I do know that he was um, not really practicing or, or dealing with a some sort of back issue. So I'm not going to speculate. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it had anything to do with his kidneys or anything back there um, that 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 shut down or, or, or I'm not, again, not going to speculate, but it's just a really sad story. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it, it's hard to say, you don't want to blame anybody, you know, staff, medical staff, trainers at the school. Um, again, he, he had some sort of back injury. He was going through rehab and there was no other medical issue that he had or that anyone was aware of. Uh, Stanfield suited up in 13 games in uh, this past season, recording 13 tackles and two and a half sacks, helping the Paladins, um, Paladins win the Southern Conference. Here, uh, I just wanted to play this quick video because I think this is a cool tribute. But here was uh, Athletic Director Jason Donnelly on the tragedy. Uh, let me. We spoke with the team a little while ago and and shared with them that's one of the more special things I've ever been around. And uh, thanks to Coach Hendricks and thanks to Jason and thanks to Prisma Hospital uh, for allowing the entire team to be there. And President Elizabeth Davis was there and she was able to confer a degree to him. Uh, so he is a Furman graduate. Uh, and that was something that was very important to him as a student, it was very important to him and his parents, it was very important to our team. Uh, but one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen was the entire team there with him uh, in the bed, in the room, spending time with him praying, crying, uh, being together as a Furman football team, which really meant the world to him. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool, really awesome gesture. He, po you know, post-mortem, they basically made him a graduate of Furman, even though he was just short probably of graduating. I can't uh, tell if he was a junior or senior, but I, I think he was probably a senior and had just a couple of months left if he was 21 years old. So just a really tragic story. Uh, of course, they had a great season. They won the Southern Conference, and it's just unfortunate when these things happen. You can't really blame anybody. You're, you, you know, you, my condolences to the family. It, it's just, it, it's, it's awful, and um, you know, it, it's going to be tough for his teammates, coaches to, to move on after something like that happens. It's never, it's never fun at all. Okay. Um, next up, 
Uh, let's talk about some NBA. We had the trade deadline last week. I don't know if I mentioned it because a lot was going on in last week's episode, but Spencer Dinwiddie was bought out after he was traded from the Nets, bought out by Toronto. He was going to be free to sign anywhere. If I didn't mention it, I know I was talking about it to my dad and whoever else that um, off air that it was looking like Dinwiddie was going to sign back with the Dallas Mavericks, who he played on previously before he was traded um, to the net, back to the Nets in the Kyrie Irving deal. But he actually did not go back to the Mavericks. He signed instead with the Lakers. And there's one thing I want to talk about because it was making the rounds after he signed uh, this whole clause or bonus of $1 if um, in his contract with the Lakers, should they win a title, he would earn a $1 bonus. And it's like $1, that's it. So so Dinwiddie signed for $1.5 million with the Lakers. But this $1 bonus apparently goes back to his time when he signed with the Washington Wizards. They put that in there. Him and his agent were kind of having this joke about, you know, because the Wizards can never win. Um, they're not a championship caliber team. So they put this little, you know, bonus in there as like just a, a laughing joke type of thing and they just kind of have you know gone with it every stop of the way everywhere he's gone so I this is starting to just make the rounds now because it's the Lakers they are a championship winning organization and uh, they play in LA so they get a lot of media coverage as well so nothing too too crazy it's not something that was just put in um, for this so I, I wanted to clear the air on that because I've seen a lot of the, a lot about this all over the place. Okay, uh, now we can get to the Super Bowl, and then we'll kind of move from move on from there. So go back, listen to last week's episode. Pretty much everything I said was right. Didn't mean I won any money. No, I lost a decent amount, actually, because I didn't go with my gut. My gut told me that, and my gut never fails me, come on. I knew that I played this out in my, in my head to a T. Um I knew the Chiefs were going to wind up winning. I knew it was going to be super close. This was a boring game for three quarters of it or 90% of it. The last couple minutes of the fourth and overtime were pretty good. That's about it. Otherwise, it was a dud. It was 0-0 after one. It, you know, it was it was 10-3 at half. It, not a lot of scoring, just boring, boring, boring. And then it, it heated up eventually. But I should have known. Uh, again, Kyle Shanahan... 10-0 lead, another double-digit lead. He blew it. Once again, shocking, okay? And Patrick Mahomes, the better quarterback, the best quarterback in the game right now, may be the best of all time. Um, I know Brady has beaten him twice, so I'm not going to go that far, but three championships now, three MVPs in those Super Bowls, tying Joe Montana just behind now Tom Brady, who has the most with five. Um, two MVPs for the regular season. It's just the guy that does it all. Okay. Three, three titles in five years. It's just unbelievable. But this was a, I don't know if I could sit here. A lot of people are blaming Shanahan, the overtime. Why did he elect to take the ball and all that good stuff? Right. But I had no problem with it, his explanation, because he wanted to be the last one with the ball that third time around and everything. And I'm not going to get into players didn't know the overtime rules, et cetera, et cetera. McCall Hardman catches the game-winning touchdown, which I'll get to in a second. And 
He's not really celebrating afterwards. Patrick Mahomes said, bro, we just won the Super Bowl. And he says he kind of blacked out, but he didn't even know that they won the Super Bowl. Players thought that the game was just going to keep going. It's all confusing. I don't quite understand it. But um, let's kind of recap. I'm a little bit all over the place here. But the Chiefs do come out on top in overtime, 25 to 22. Um and again, I should have just bet the Chiefs, but I'm an idiot. And I just took a bunch of player props that didn't even hit. Um, all right. So you could argue this game came down to like three or four plays. You had the extra point that was blocked, which turned out to be immensely huge because um, that would have put a, put the 49ers up four instead it was three. And then the Chiefs were able to tie it and send it to overtime at 19. So that you could say is one play, but the other plays I'm thinking of are the ones that came down the stretch or in overtime. The real big plays that this came down to were the Chiefs' final possession. So the 49ers get the ball to start overtime and they run down and they kick a field goal because on third and goal, that was another play that you could argue dictated the game. They could have won, you know, won the game had they scored there. But uh, they didn't. They tried to throw almost like a little fade or tried to get a little wheel route. It was it, it blew up in their face. Um, you know, I, I want to say Chris Jones or somebody just came in totally unblocked and Purdy had to throw it up kind of out of bounds or out of the end zone. So that was a big play. But the real two that I'm talking about are on the Chiefs' final possession in overtime, getting the ball down three. They know what they've got to do. Keep the game uh, alive by kicking a field goal or win it with a touchdown. And uh, this, I thought, was a really cool look to this to this final play. You can hear um, some guys in the background, like on the sideline and stuff talking, Trent Williams is the one you'll hear the most on the 49ers. You'll hear him say like, like watch the quarterback, watch the quarterback keeper, um, watch the quarterback run, whatever he says. And it's just a really cool look. So listen, listen intently and you'll hear how this, this play, it was a fourth and one. Okay. The chiefs had to go for it. They don't get this. The game is over. The 49ers win the super bowl and it's a brilliant play call. You've run play after play and now you got to come up with a play to pick up a foot to keep your season going. Oh. What do you like? All right. We stopped him. World champs, right? Slide keys. I like slide keys a lot. If it's not there, I'll run for it. San Francisco stops this play. They win super bowl 58. Man, I want to put the ball in 15 hands for the game on four down. Alert the quarterback, Keith! Mahomes has it. He's easily going to get the first. He had a really good play call. There was nobody there for the 49er defense. I knew he was going to keep it, bro. Why don't Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you could hear... Chris, uh, not Chris Jones, Trent Williams say, I knew he was going to keep it. He's the one that I alluded to that said, watch the quarterback keep. And it was a brilliant play call by Andy Reid, Matt Nagy. Um, and basically they're in shotgun, which brilliant. Oh, I, I scream about this. If you're not in shotgun on fourth and one, you're just doing it wrong because it gives you so many more options. You can run out of shotgun. You can, um, you can pass out of shotgun if they blitz. You, you're basically golden because you can pass to anybody. Um, and you have a mobile quarterback, so you can also move with the mobile quarterback. Whereas if you're under center, you're probably handing it off. And if you try a play action, they can still sack you. It's going to be harder to run as the quarterback. So brilliant to get in shotgun. They fake the handoff, a Pacheco to, to Mahomes right. They fake the handoff to Pacheco running right uh, left. And then Mahomes 
uh, moves right and um, Kelsey it was in motion going to the flat. And so they had to cover him, which left uh, Mahomes wide open for the run. And he even said if they cover Kelsey, I'm assuming he was talking about, then he's just going to run it. He did it brilliantly, got a few yards. That's all he needed and slid down. And then a few plays later, a few plays later, which this was a little bit painful for me. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this... Yeah, um, Nicole Hardman, of all people, has three catches for 50-something yards and the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. The same Nicole Hardman who had just one catch on the Jets earlier this season and who on hard knocks with O's Perlman predicted the Jets were going to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl 31-21. And, well, he didn't realize that it wasn't going to be the Jets. It would be the Chiefs, and he would be on that team. But he predicted he was going to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and it's just unbelievable. He couldn't get on the field with the Jets. You were putting Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard ahead of him on the field, and he had one catch on the season for the Jets, and then he goes and catches three balls for 57 yards or so, and the game-winning touchdown in overtime. It's just incredible. Incredible. It just shows the ineptitude of the New York Jets. And for, real quick, a lot of people were getting on uh, Tony Romo for stepping on Jim Nance's call there, that final call at the end, but Tony Romo is all of us sports fans. Uh, when I watch, I'm always talking about the game. I'm always screaming this and that. Tony Romo just exudes um, exuberance and excitement and he's all of us in one and he played the game and he breaks it down so eloquently and he knows you know what plays are coming and he can tell us by different reads and he thinks this is going to be this play or a handoff or this or that and he does such a good job with all that but people claim people say that he talks too much and they want to hear him talk less I actually like this and he was just, he couldn't help himself. He was too excited on that final play. And all you just hear him say is for the Super Bowl under Jim Nance's call. It doesn't really, it doesn't really take away from Nance's call uh, at all. And I think it, it, it's just showing how passionate he is from, you know, the first year he was doing this still to, to the fourth or fifth year, or whatever year it is for him now. And I think he's great. And I think we need more broadcasters like this. It's not immaturity. It's, it's not, you know, um, somebody that maybe doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, there's a professionalism to broadcasting, sure. But at the same time, I love to see this. And I think, you know, we don't want the pocket squares that are just going to stand there and call the game and just be, you know, uh, talk when they're supposed to and not break down the game and all that good stuff. And I, I think they're one of the best duos in the game doing it right now. And I just thought they were both brilliant throughout the whole game. So, um, in my opinion, he did nothing wrong, and uh, I I thought they did a they did a great job. Uh, just wanted to point that out because he was taking some heat as he always does for whatever reason. Uh, so yeah, Super Bowl is over. Where well, let's see. Um, before I get to Kyle Shanahan because it's just actually no. Let me talk Kyle Shanahan first, and then I want to get back to one more point about Mahomes. Kyle Shanahan's been in three Super Bowls, one as an offensive coordinator of the Falcons and two as a head coach with the Niners. He's yet to win the big one. Great regular season coach. Can't can't finish it off. I think his time will come, but right now it's, I don't know, he's not getting any younger. So 
he's been to three Super Bowls and blown three double-digit leads, which is like the record. He's blown the largest lead and the second largest lead, which was 10 points, which he's done twice. And then, of course, we remember 28 to 3. He also is part of both overtime games in Super Bowl history, lost both of those. So not a good Super Bowl track record for Kyle Shanahan. He's really going to have to do something to get over that hump or people are going to start comparing him, you know, to the likes of a Dan Marino who never won a Super Bowl and, you know, the likes of the top, top coaches that just can't seem to win a Super Bowl because we, we all know what Andy Reid was, could, couldn't get over that hump, got to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, great uh, regular season coach, just couldn't get over that hump. And then he got Patrick Mahomes and the rest is history. Um, so back to Mahomes, I compared him, maybe he's the goat, not ready to put him there over Brady just yet, but this is an unbelievable stat that you must listen and hear about since 2001, there have been 125 drives in the NFL postseason where it was at least the fourth quarter. There was under one minute to play and the team on offense trailed by seven points or less at the start out of those 125 drives. Only 40% of them saw the team on offense score the points they needed. Here's just a couple. Tom Brady in his career was 5 for 11 for 46%. Pretty good, right? Not bad. Drew Brees was 3 for 6, 50%. But only one, Patrick Mahomes, is a perfect 7 for 7 in those dire situations. Oh my God. It is unbelievable. And speaking of Tom Brady, the Chiefs are now the first team since the Patriots in the 0405 seasons to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Um, and they are not uh, favored next season in next season's Super Bowl. The 49ers have a slight edge over them next season, but they will go and look for the repeat next year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, and can you believe that the final numbers on that score were two and five, the two worst numbers probably in any Super Bowl box pool? I mean, that's a, just anomaly for those numbers to, to hit. So if you had those rejoice, um, cause that's an incredible feat that those two numbers hit in my opinion, I just think that's insane. Oh, and if it wasn't enough for the 49ers, um, they fired Steve Wilkes two days after the Super Bowl. Steve Wilkes coached this defense for one season. They gave up 17.5 points per game, which was third best in the NFL, and they came oh so close to winning the Super Bowl in overtime, and he was fired. So it begs the question, if he was not, if they did win the Super Bowl, would he still have been fired? I don't know, but I saw a lot on this today, and... um. There, well, the last couple of days, but apparently there was a couple instances where this relationship soured. Um, there was a second and six in overtime, and they were showing a cover zero, I believe, and Kyle Shanahan had to call timeout because he was pissed that that was the call. He did not like it, and you could see the visible frustration um, on his face. Also, earlier in the year, they were struggling, I believe, so he brought Steve Wilkes from the booth back down to the field. So there's been some issues there all along, apparently. But um, here was um, here was uh, my man um, Ian Rappaport uh, talking about it. 
Well, we'll get to the wild speculation in a second. You know, of course, that is my main thing that I love to talk about. Wild. As far yep. as why. Uh, yeah, as far as why, I mean, this really was coming. Just didn't, even mid-season, it didn't really feel like a great fit for Steve Wilkes and for Kyle Shannon. Remember when he was in the booth and they had him come down to the field? That was probably the first sign that all was not well. And, you know, so much of what a defensive coordinator does is put the players in great position to succeed. He's sort of angst from some of the star players, the 49ers. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa was one, was maybe not a great sign overall. Just didn't seem like Kyle Shanahan and Wilkes were on the same page here. And when he called timeout in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl because he did not like the play call, I think that was something that caused alarm bells to go off in all of our heads. This was coming, and Kyle Shanahan eventually moves on from Steve Wilkes. As far as where they go from here, there are a lot of big-time names available. Brandon Staley certainly is one. I would expect him to get some consideration. Chris Harris, a uh, really good secondary coach, I know was going to get some Consideration as well came real close to getting the job last year when Steve Wilkes ended up getting it. Nick Sorensen, one of the internal candidates the 49ers are going to consider. I don't get the sense this will be a, a hurry-up job. They probably have some time here, the only D.C. job available. But they're going to look in all different places to hire the next coordinator. So there you have it. Um, it. It's another interesting point I saw on ESPN, and everybody's furious over this. I've seen Stephen A. Smith going off about it. I've seen um, Shannon Sharp going off about it on his podcast, saying the players should have known, um, you know, the overtime rules and this, that, and the other thing. And I think it's crazy to have fired him, but I guess it just wasn't a good fit. They needed a D.C. since their last two left to become head coaches, Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. Now, speaking of D'Amico Ryans, they compared ESPN put a graphic up comparing D'Amico Ryan's defense when he was with the 49ers and Steve Wilkes in uh you know those last seasons and D'Amico Ryan's two years ago and Steve Wilkes this past season and Steve Wilkes across the board his defense had better numbers than when D'Amico Ryan's was the defensive coordinator uh, for the 49ers. And guess what? D'Amico Ryan's left to become the head coach of the Houston Texans. So it's just it's it's just rough. It's tough for Steve Wilkes. Um, I've heard names being floated out there like Brandon Staley to maybe replace um, Wilkes. So we'll see. Maybe they look internally. I know Rex Ryan was trying to get the Cowboys job, which just went to uh, Mike Zimmer, which I'll get to in a little bit as well. Actually, I think that's the next point on my thing after the uh, Kelsey thing. But uh, yeah, so it's just, you know, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. If, if you're Steve Wilkes, it's like I couldn't have done anything more, but I don't think he'll be without a job too, too long. I know it, it's tough because most, I think pretty much every job is filled at this point. So I don't know. He might have to wait out uh, the next season and see, see, see where to go from here. Okay. Um, let me see. Uh, did I? Uh, okay. Um, I had something on Kelsey. Where the hell? I thought I just saw it here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, before I get to the final numbers on the Super Bowl, uh, a big deal was made out of Travis Kelsey bumping Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. I was at the first half. Things were not going well. He had like one catch up to that point. He runs up to Andy Reid in the heat of the moment, accidentally bumps him, and Andy Reid almost goes flying. Luckily, he kind of catches him. He regains his balance. Andy Reid just was 
taken aback because he didn't realize like Kelsey was coming up on him. It was a bad look, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Kelsey um, was asked about it on his New Heights podcast with his brother, Jason Kelsey, and he kind of squashed a bug on this one. And, you know, the Travis Kelsey you see on the field, the killer instinct, the NFL player, like it's a totally different Kelsey than what you see on his podcast, which is kind of why these guys do these things. You get a better a look into them as men and they're just more relaxed. So he talked about this. He apologized. He said there's no place for it and he was totally in the wrong. The broadcast showed you having a heated exchange with Coach Reed. <laughs> so heated. People are all over this. I mean, I get it. You cross the line. I think we can both agree on that. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm, I'm out there with him, man. He ain't calling it quits. Come on now. He's not. I immediately wish I took a bet. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know, hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. He's letting you know not, not to be like that. Just fired me up even more to go out there and get a f***ing victory for him, man. Big Red, sorry if I uh, caught you with that cheap shot, baby, but damn, I love winning with you. You got to have your head on a swivel, because next time he gets fired up at you, he's coming hot at you. You know that. Oh, yeah, I deserve it. If he would have cold cocked me in the face right there, I would have just ate it and just been like, yeah, let's f go. I'm not trying to make this situation acceptable, but this is what happens when you have highly motivated, passionate individuals. This doesn't happen if you and Andy aren't as close as you are. That's what nobody knows. The reason this happens is because you two love each other so much and respect each other so much that you feel open enough to have an interaction like this. It wasn't me mad at Coach Reed as, as it looks. It was the frustration of our team not having success, turning the ball over, and me being on the sideline. On the sideline. Damn it. It was pleading with your head coach to let you go out there and win this mother. That's what it was. Me and you both know what it was. Andy knows what you mean to him and what he means to you. So, yeah, there you have it. And um, that one point I wanted to make was Kelsey talking about, like, Andy Reid said to him, you can't do that. Like, I've got all these cameras on me. That was a, a new new piece to this um whole storyline that we didn't that we didn't hear before so uh yeah looking out for his player i've got all these cameras on me like you can't do something like that everybody's going to see it it's the super bowl and, and you know they squashed a bug kelsey was right jason at the end there when he said it's because you guys love each other so much uh it's just you know what when, when like if you have a brother or sister or whatever you can um, get super passionate about things and argue like crazy about something. And then five minutes later, the, you squash you squash it. And it's like it that never even happened before. Those things happen when you're basically family. And so, uh, um, yeah, so that was just um, him apologizing, et cetera, et cetera, and taking ownership for that. So um, with that being said, we move on. Oh, uh, the last final note for Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl delivered a massive viewing audience, averaging 123.4 million viewers across all platforms. The most watched program ever, according to CBS Sports. The figure was up 7% from last year's game, which set the previous record of 115.1 million viewers. And I'm curious to know, because I did not watch on streaming, I was thinking of putting it on... Paramount Plus, which I have on my Apple TV 4K, 
just to get the 4K versus cable, but I hate, hate how there's a delay, and I wanted real-time live cable in case uh, I get spoiled from tweets or anybody texting me or chatting me about anything going on in the game. So I didn't do that. But with that many people viewing the Super Bowl, I'm just curious if anyone had any issues streaming through Paramount Plus or through a YouTube TV or any of the streaming platforms. I'd just be a little bit curious of that. Um, but otherwise, I think it was a huge success. Usher, I was making dinner. I know that's pretty late, but I was making food, wings and stuff during the Super Bowl halftime show. But I went back and watched it the next day on Apple. Um music and I thought it was fine it was pretty good whatever it was a halftime show I'm I don't really care for it. it uh fun fact about me I am 31 years old and I have never in my life been to a concert so yeah I enjoy music but I'm not this crazy music guy so that really did nothing for me I'm an Usher fan don't get me wrong I like his music but it was to me just a halftime show. I didn't really need to pay attention to it or watch it. I'm there for the football and I'll watch the commercials because I have to. But even those, I was kind of buried into my phone. I thought the Paramount Plus one actually was pretty funny, pretty cool with Tua and Hey Arnold and uh, all all that stuff. Drew Barrymore, that, that, I thought that was well done. The Master Chief and stuff. So if you didn't see that one, check it out. And there were some other good ones, the messy one um, and whatnot. But yeah. Overall, clear success for the Super Bowl. All right, uh, just hinted at it in other news. The Cowboys have hired Mike Zimmer as their new DC. There was a little bit of a holdup there. I don't know what was going on, but the former Vikings coach is officially the new defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Obviously, Dan uh, Dan Quinn left to become the Washington Commanders head coach. Um, Mike Zimmer, former Vikings head coach, right, had some good success there. I think two and three in the playoffs. Was he there four or five seasons as head coach? Um, had been out of the league the last two years. And now he is going to be Mike, uh, Mike Zimmer. He's going to be Mike McCarthy's defensive coordinator. Uh, let's get to some golf. Uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, besides it being a shit show, uh, Canadian Nick Taylor, he drained an 11-foot birdie putt on the second playoff hole to win. It's his fourth PGA Tour win. Uh, this is the tournament that's normally awesome. Beer being thrown, red solo cups and beer just everywhere on that 16th par three when someone makes, you know, a hole in one or a birdie, whatever. It's mostly a hole in one, but I think they threw cups when somebody made a birdie. But it got out of control, absolutely out of control on, I want to say, Saturday to the point that they had to stop. They had to uh put a stop to the sale of alcohol. There was a guy, a, a big fat dude, no shirt on, I believe, just falling over, doing snow angels in one of the bunkers. It was just an, a joke. It, it was so bad that that Billy Horschel's walking by yelling at fans that this guy, one of the players was trying to hit his ball. You need to shut the, the hell up. Um, you know, the, the, they're, they're going to make changes for next year. They already said that because players are not going to want to go back if it's this bad. I understand it's in Arizona. You know, you're having a good time. It's one of the cool events that, that, that doesn't really mean too much for the players. Um, but my God, that was a, an absolute nightmare for those guys. Um, all right, with NBA All-Star Weekend upon us, let's talk about one of the best young players in the league, that being the number one overall pick, Victor Wembenyama. All right, he leads the NBA in blocked shots per game 
little over three. And I think overall, just total number of blocked shots, I think he's first. And he pulled off a rare feat that hasn't been done since before I was born in the year 1990 uh, was the last time this was done. So I couldn't believe these numbers because he's on my fantasy team. I thought I was going to trade him at the All-Star break. Um, and I decided to keep him just because he's so good. And he had a, f a couple bad games in a row. He just wasn't getting rebounds. I'm like, what are you doing, Wemby? But uh, he got some rebounds the other night. He recorded a triple-double on Monday, but it wasn't just any regular old triple-double. It wasn't 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Oh, no, no, no. He had 27 points, 14 rebounds, and guess what? 14 re uh yeah 14 rebounds and 10 blocked shots. Oh my god. Yeah, you heard that right. A triple double with 10 blocked shots. Not your traditional triple double. It's it's unbelievable. It's so rare that he became the first rookie to do this since David Robinson did so on February 23rd of 1990. 2 years and what 3 months yeah, two years and three months, basically, before I was even born. Uh, just incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, the kid's a friggin' beast, and he's only going to continue to get bigger and stronger and better. Um, and these European guys, man, I was talking about this with my dad, too, the other night. These European players are starting to surpass the American-born players because the American-born players are are too much me, me, me. I want the ball. I want to be flashy. I want to show off in front of the camera um, when I'm in high school and get all this publicity and dunk and do all this craziness. But these Europeans are all about fundamentals. They can slow the game down. Think Jokic, um, think Luka, um, all these different guys, um, Lowry Markinen even. They can slow the game down. They can pass. They can rebound. They do all the little things so well. And it's, it's, you know, it's fun to watch, actually, because it's a breath of fresh air. Um, just incredible. All right. Um, let's get back to golf for a quick second. This is a tough one. But uh, if you watched any of the Genesis Invitational, either yesterday or today, you may have noticed a bit different Tiger Woods. Um, at this week's tournament, he launched his new clothing line in partnership with TaylorMade. This has been in the works for a while now. The logo got leaked a while back. It's being called Sunday Red. Sun space day red. Whatever. The logo looks like a first grader drew it up, but apparently I'm told the bones on like the tiger stand for, you know, all his major championships, whatever. Um, leaves a lot to be desired, but the clothing looks great. I'm sure so, and it's Tiger Woods, so I'm positive it's going to sell like hotcakes. If it wasn't, if it's not too expensive, I'll buy something, um, a nice golf shirt to wear when I'm out on the links. But um, unfortunately, he so he shot one over yesterday, 72. This is the Genesis Invitational, by the way, is his tournament. Um, he shot a one over 72, and the projected cut line today was a two over. And after six holes, he had to withdraw it over some sort of illness. I don't know if that's, you know, like flu-like symptoms type of illness or um, back or knee or leg related. I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully he's okay, but he was one over today. So two over overall through six holes. So he definitely had a chance to make the cut, but something, something prompted him to have to pull out. And all I saw was that it was due to illness. This did not happen that long ago, maybe an hour or two ago. And I saw him being carted back um off the course so that's just unfortunate so if you're watching this weekend 
throughout, you know, before All-Star Weekend and whatnot, um, no Tiger will, Tiger will not be there on the weekend. Okay, when the AP Top 25 poll came out on Monday, there was a team ranked 23rd in the country that we haven't seen on this list since 1979 when one Larry Bird was on the team. Oh, my God. And, yes, that is Indiana State, led by sophomore Robbie Avila. He's kind of, like, taken social media world by storm. He's that 6'10 center. He wears those goggles. He can shoot the ball. Um, he's averaging 16 and uh, points per game and 7.4 rebounds per game. But um, he's got a great uh, cast around him. We're talking guys like uh, a couple transfer guys that came in this year, like Ryan Conwell from USF, who's averaging 15.7, and Isaiah Swoop. Uh, he transferred in from Southern Indiana. He's averaging 17.7. And, of course, naturally, they're ranked for the first time since 1979 on Monday, and then they lose their very next game to Illinois State. So that's usually how that friggin' works. So they'll be out of the of the uh, rankings in one week. Um, let's talk baseball. Some history was made. Jenny uh, Kavner was just hired as the A's play-by-play -play announcer, making her the first female primary play-by-play -play voice. She will work alongside uh, former uh, A's pitcher Dallas Braden, who famously is known for throwing a perfect game, the lefty there, big beard. Um, he's excited to work with her. I don't know a whole lot about her. Um, I don't know. I think she's like a newscaster from, from the Bay Area. Um, so, yeah, good for her. And it's really surprising, actually, that this has never you know, hasn't happened um, up till this point. But uh, she's got to know a crap ton about baseball um, if, if she's going to be a play-by-play -play, um, point person for a Major League Baseball team. So pretty cool stuff there. And then sticking with baseball, that Japanese uh, phenom I talked about maybe a month or two ago, a couple, couple months back, Rintaro Sasaki. He signed a national letter of intent to play at Stanford. He's the high school player that was going to forego playing in Korean leagues and everything and come to the States like first one ever. And then he could, you know, go right to the to the pros after college. Um, he's the one that's a cool 250 pounds at just 17 years old. And he hit a Japanese high school record of 140 home runs. And I want to know one thing. What was he playing against the Bad News Bears? I mean, how do you hit 140 home runs in high school? I mean, is high school over there like eight years? Eight years? Because, I I mean, do the math. I mean, how many games are they playing in a season over there? Um, It's just incredible. It's incredible. Even if he played like 25 games, I, I, I can't even do the math. It's just a st it's staggering. 25 I mean, uh, 40 home runs, 40, uh, 140, I mean, in, in one season, I mean, in one career, high school career, it, it's unthinkable. I had three. And again, most high school players, you're not making the varsity roster and playing significant uh, minutes as a varsity starter as a freshman. So you might not even do it as a sophomore or maybe even a junior. So you're getting like one, maybe two years to hit some home runs and I hit three. Um, 
and I, well, listen, I'm not 250 pounds. I'm 120 pounds. And I was probably like 115 or 110 pounds in high school. And I still hit three, which was second on my team, my senior year. Okay. So wild. It's just wild. Uh, and I'm not joking when I say, what was he playing the bad news bears? Like, is this guy that good that he was taking these guys deep? Cause you know, these Japanese players, um, they're not, they're not bad either. They, they, these guys, some of them pitch in the major leagues as well. So just very, very impressive. And I wonder why he chose Stanford, but again, these Japanese guys like to choose the West Coast, like to choose California because it's the closest to home where they could just jump on a plane and get back to Japan. Um, so just, yeah, wild. All right, with pitchers and catchers reporting this week, it's hard to believe that there are still, uh, this is, to me, it's wild, that we're still talking several star players without a home. Uh, Cy Young winner Blake Snell, former MVP Cody Bellinger, World Series champ Jordan Montgomery, and veteran third baseman Matt Chapman. One thing all these guys have in common is they come with the added baggage of having Scott Boris as their agent. And as good as he is, he's considered obviously the best in the game. I know somebody that uh, works for him. One of my uh, dad's former high school players who was a first-round draft pick works for Boris, actually. And, um, you know, he is absolutely considered the best in the game. But he is tough. He looks for the most out of these teams. He wants to get his client the most amount of money. And I'll go back to a story I heard yesterday with Michael Kay, who said he spoke with Scott Boris. And Scott Boris said, I can't believe you broadcasters don't have agents. He said, if I was your agent, he said, I, you know, I would represent you. But he said, at a certain point, what if I tell you to walk, you have to walk. And Michael Kay joked with him, and he's like, yeah, and that's where we'd have to part ways because there's only 30 um, broadcaster jobs available, and I'm not walking from that. He's like, there's 600 or well, – yeah, I'm just throwing a number out there. Uh, you know, baseball, uh, Major League Baseball uh, roster spots and everything, right? Um, well, actually, no, it's 25 times uh, 30, right? So there's like 750. Yeah, it's more than 600. There's 750 jobs, give or take, um, as a baseball player in the major leagues. And, I, you know, Boris can do that. He can squeeze as much as he wants out of other teams and try to get the most. But sometimes this does not work the way he, he draws it up. And if I'm these players, I'm starting to get a little shaky. I'm starting to get a little scared because we're talking two great lefty pitchers. I mean, Montgomery changed the face of that uh, Rangers team when he was traded over the Yankees never should have let him go I'm hoping the Yankees could sign Mo Montgomery or Snell just get one of them in here at this point and I think that's the one piece they can add that will kind of take them in my opinion over the top and give them a chance to to compete for a World Series because as currently constituted I don't think just having Soto and Judge and um, you know Stroman and Garrett Cole and I can't trust Rodon or Rizzo or LeMahieu, who's going to probably be leading off, and Glaber, we don't know. Maybe he gets traded at the deadline. His name floated at the deadline last year when we needed pitching, um, and he's in the last year of his contract. So, But it's really tough to see um, because there's not a lot of jobs left out there. And one guy that did just get signed 
who's not a Boris guy, I don't believe, is all-star Jorge Soler, who signed a three-year, $42 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. He'll be their primary DH this year. Uh, he's a good player. He hit 36 home runs with Miami last year. And what's shocking is that I read this today. The Giants have not had a 30-home run hitter in a season since Barry Bonds 20 years ago in 2004. That's when he hit like 45. Incredible. And I'm also still waiting to see what happens if Trevor Bauer gets a deal because Bauer has been adamant he will take league minimum and he will do an incentive-laden uh, deal because he believes in himself and he just wants to pitch in Major League Baseball. And again, another guy, former Cy Young winner in 2020, why don't the Yankees sign someone like him? It's low risk, high reward. You sign him, he could be your fifth starter. And if he does well, okay, so be it. He does well and that means you're going to win. Uh, I don't understand what teams are scared of. He was completely um, cleared and exonerated by, you know, of all wrongdoing of rape, of sexual assault, whatever, with this woman who, who played him like a fiddle and, and well, she didn't really play him, but she, she, she documented all of this stuff and she, she went after him um, to try to get his money. And it was all thrown out in court and he was cleared of all this. So if I, unless I'm missing something, this is absolutely not right. He's being blackballed. This is totally separate from like a Colin Kaepernick issue of something like that. I mean, that that was politically motivated. Um, people didn't, you know, sort of like the kneeling, the police stuff, the pig socks, you know, all that stuff that he was blackballed out of the NFL because of the dumb stuff that he did. And I'm not going to get into that. But Trevor Bauer did not do anything wrong here. He was cleared of this and he maintained his innocence and he didn't just pay her off and move on like most of these guys do. Um, Aroldis Chapman pointed a gun at his wife in a garage and shot it eight times. And he signed multiple contracts since then and is still playing in Major League Baseball. Um, and he was actually suspended. A-Rod was suspended for steroids for over a year. OK, and the Yankees welcomed him back with open arms and he's a broadcaster now and an owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves and nobody's blackballed him. Um, Michael Vick is a perfect example. This dude was was running a dog fighting ring in his backyard in Virginia with pit bulls, went to jail and got back into the NFL and was beloved when Philly brought him back. There was protests when Philadelphia signed him. And guess what? It didn't matter because they still signed him. They still had Andy Reid back then, and he got to play. I remember that one game against Washington on a Monday night football, I believe it was. That jersey's in the Hall of Fame because it was just an unbelievable performance. But we see this all the time, so I just don't understand why a team's not signing him. And it's not just the Yankees and him and Garrett Cole played together at UCLA and whether they have their own beef or whatnot. Uh, no, I, something is not right here. Somebody needs to sign this guy, whether it's the Yankees or not. I want it to be the Yankees but because I want them to win, but it, it's somebody's got to sign him. This is ridiculous. All right, um, Kansas City had a Super Bowl parade the other day, and just like everything in this country, we can't have nice things. And unfortunately, towards the end of the sh uh, of the parade, there was a friggin' uh, mass shooting, if you if you want to call it that. There was a shooting. Um, so this happened on Wednesday. Fans gathered to celebrate the championship, the Super Bowl championship. There's a parade, just like with any major, uh, you know, champion in a professional sport. 
They always have a, a, a championship parade. So towards the end of the parade, a shooting took place and 23 people were shot. One person who, uh, from what I read, was a beloved local DJ. Her name was Lisa Lopez Galvin. Uh, she was 43. She unfortunately died in the shooting. Um, her family actually put out a GoFundMe. They were seeking about $75,000 to cover funeral expenses and other things. And kindly enough, Taylor Swift actually donated $100,000. So, you know, say what you want about Taylor Swift. That's pretty cool that she donated uh, that kind of money. That's going to go a long way for the family. Um, at least 11 children were among the victims. Uh, luckily, all of them are fine. They're going to make a, a recovery. Um, but the shooting occurred 30 minutes after the post-parade rally wrapped up. So no Chiefs players or team officials or coaches or anything like that were injured. And from what police gathered and what I heard, um, this was a dispute between a bunch of like teenagers. And actually, they arrested two juveniles. Can you believe that? Two teenagers, two young teenagers were arrested and faced gun and resisting arrest charges because they were running and firing into the crowd because maybe they were arguing with, with these other guys or maybe there was some gang turf wars, whatever the case may be, because people don't know how to solve their differences um, any other way nowadays. Um, and this country and world is just going to going to uh, shit, really. But uh, it's it's unfortunate. My condolences to the woman that lost her life. It's a senseless act of violence by by a couple of morons that deserve to go to jail and should be tried as adults and, and yeah, you know, uh, should serve a, a lot of time behind bars and maybe uh, they'll learn their lesson. Although we know this um, prison reform is really not a thing. It's it's a joke in this country. Uh, but anyway, yeah, tragic uh, college basketball. Chris Holtman, Ohio State. Men's basketball coach was fired midseason on Wednesday after falling to Wisconsin the day prior on Tuesday. This put the Buckeyes at 14 and 11 overall and 4 and 10 in the Big Ten, um, which is not great. Uh, over the past two years, the Buckeyes are 30 and 30 with a 9 and 25 conference record. They have lost 16 consecutive road games, which is tied for the longest streak in program history. I did not realize that till today when I read that. Um, but Holtman was one of the highest paid coaches in the sport. And I actually liked him a lot. He had four years remaining on his contract that ran through the 27-2028 season, and he will be owed the remaining $12.8 million on his deal. I don't have any uh, offers up. You know, I don't have anything to offer you on who is going to take over for him. I know um, one of the assistants has taken over on an interim basis, but uh, as far as who's going to take over, take over, uh, who knows? We'll see. Actually, no, I did see um, some names out there, actually. Uh, maybe Sean Miller was one I saw. Um, I forget the other names that I saw, but yeah, the guy at South Carolina, maybe. couple names, but anyway. Um, and here's another interesting one. Michigan is hiring a University of Michigan is hiring a general manager to consolidate its NIL efforts. This to me is extremely smart. And I expect a trickle down effect where even more schools will follow suit because this NIL stuff is a nightmare to manage. I'm sure for these coaches, they need someone dedicated to this. All right. Last night, stick with college, uh, Athletics, Caitlin Clark, she, of course, made history 
it was no surprise. She came into the game just eight points shy of the single uh, of the career uh, uh, scoring mark for NCAA women's basketball, the all-time scoring record. Um, she didn't waste much time. She needed just two minutes and 15 seconds to uh, break the record that was held by Kelsey Plum. She finished the first half with 28 points. The shot that she um, hit to break the record officially two minutes and 15 seconds into the first half was Steph Curry level stuff. I mean, dribbles up and just pulls up from like the logo, like so deep it was not even fair. Uh, she's clearly the best player in co women's college basketball, and that's no. There's not even a question. She finished with a career high 49 points. It is a Iowa single game school record. Uh, the Hawkeyes ended up winning 106 to 89 over Michigan. Women's basketball putting up 100 plus points is unbelievable. To to be perfectly fair, um, she now sits atop the record books with 3,569 total points. Kelsey Plum had 3,527 points in 139 games. Clark has done it in just 126 games. She's got four games left. Iowa has sold out every home game, and its away games have been 100. Have seen a 150% attendance boost. The two most watched women's college basketball games on Fox ever are now two Iowa games from this year alone, and her trading card just sold for $78,000 which is a record for women's hoops. She is 80 points shy of Lynette Woodard's career mark of 3,649 points set in 1981 during the AIAW era, which predates the NCAA women's era. I never even knew that that existed. I don't even know what that stands for. Um, she's also just 98 points shy of Pistol Pete Maravich's men's college basketball record of 3,667 points. But again, Maravich did that without a three-point line. So that is a feat in and of itself. Just ridiculous. So congrats to Caitlin Clark. Uh, where are my video game nerds at? Um, I'm one of them. And uh, yesterday, EA Sports confirmed that its upcoming college football game, which will be called College Football 25, will release this summer. For most of us, this has been 11 years in the making. The last NCAA football was NCAA Football 14, which was actually released in the summer of 2013. 11 years ago. So if you'd like to see just a little taste of what's to come, you can check out the trailer EA dropped. Um, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm hoping this comes to Game Pass. I don't think that it will, but uh, we'll see. Okay, uh, I also got some great news yesterday as a baseball fan, and hopefully other baseball fans thought this was great news. But Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, announced he will be stepping down from his post when his term ends in 2029. Granted, it's still five years away, but you better believe I'm going to live to see that day. I cannot wait. I think uh, you know my thoughts on Man Manfred. I think he's been terrible for the sport. I, I just don't like anything he's done. And it's, you know, these these commissioners, do you, do we really ever like them? Um, they've got a tough job, but I just I don't like what Manfred has done um, in years past since he's taken over. All right, another week. And the, the hits just keep on coming for Doc Rivers. Uh, another foot-and-mouth situation. So yesterday, the Bucks faced off against what has got to be the worst team in basketball right now, just based on the guys that they're putting out on the floor, the Grizz Grizzlies. And clearly it's not because the Grizzlies are somehow finding ways to, to win games. But 
And of course, the Bucks lost 113 to 110. And when again, when I say a bad Grizzlies team, I'm telling you, no John Morant out for the year, no Desmond Bain, no uh Jaron Jackson Jr., no Marcus Smart or Brandon Clark. Like they're down to guys that are G League players at this point. So the Bucks are now three and seven since Doc took over two weeks ago. And uh, you know, you have to be wondering if if Brass in Milwaukee is regretting this coaching change from Adrian Griffin, because even he wasn't this bad. This team is 35 and 21, yet it still feels like they're in total disarray. The All-Star break couldn't have come soon enough. They did just sign Danilo Gallinari. I don't know how much he's going to help, but uh, this was Doc yesterday after the game. I just can't believe some of the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. Listen to this one. We come back in this uh, on our set. Uh, two guys forget what we're running. Uh, then we miss the shot, and then nobody gets back. That's how we start out the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. Um, you know, um, we, we had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. Did you catch that last part? We had some guys here and some guys in Cabo. Now, he's not being for real, I don't think. I think he's making a joke. But what are you doing? Now's not the time for a joke. And then he says they come out of the timeout, I think he said, and guys forgot the play? That That's, what do you mean? Where's the focus? What is going on? So just a bizarre scenario, something to keep an eye on down the stretch in the second half of the season. But this team is imploding really quickly, and it's quite shocking uh, to tell you the truth. I don't know what to say. Okay, uh, that's all I've got. Let's wrap this thing up. What do we got this weekend? So tonight we've got the Celebrity All-Star Game. That started about 15 minutes ago. Um, that's what it, whatever. We've got the Rising Stars game tonight at 9. on. This is uh, on TNT. The Celebrity Game is on ESPN right now. Um, tomorrow night you've got All-Star Saturday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Skills Challenge, three-point contest, Steph for Sabrina, dunk contest. There's an alt cast, an alternate cast on True TV for both S Saturday night's All-Star uh, festivities and then Sunday night's All-Star game. I don't know what it's going to, um, what the alt cast features, but uh, let's get to these contests real quick. So the three-point contest, we've got Damian Lillard, who's the reigning uh, defending champ. He's the favorite here. Then you've got Tyrese Halliburton. This is being played in, in Indiana, but they're not playing the, uh, the three-point contest will not be in um, Allen Fieldhouse or whatever the hell, um, Wherever the hell do the Pacers um, play? Where did the Pacers play? Um, Gainbridge Fieldhouse. I knew it was a Fieldhouse. Uh, Allen Fieldhouse is something else. Um, but anyway, it will be played at Lucas Oil, I believe, is where the All-Star uh, Saturday night festivities will be. And then um, they will play the All-Star game in Gainbridge Fieldhouse, I believe, is what I read. So... I don't know that he has a great advantage here. He'll be in front of the home crowd, sure. Um, but it's always a little bit tougher. It takes some getting used to shooting in these, um, you know, football stadiums as we see during March Madness. Um, so, yeah, Allen Fieldhouse is where Kansas plays. That's I don't know why I said that. But anyway, so you've got Damian Lillard. He's obviously the favorite. That's boring to just pick him to win it again. Tyrese Halliburton is the second favorite. You've got Trey Young. We know how good he is. Uh, Malik Beasley, L Lowry Markinen, Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, Jalen Brunson. I don't know what he's doing in this, but okay, whatever. And then Donovan Mitchell. Um, 
So the only two winners we've got are Lillard and Carl Anthony Towns. So if you're not going to put money on Lillard at plus 425, although that's st- those are still great odds. I mean, you put a hundo on that and he hits that you're walking away with a huge profit. But I like Towns at plus 650. The big man, Minnesota, is what are they? They're first in the West, I believe, right? So like they're having a great season. And um, why not? Uh, yeah, why not go with with the man, Carl Anthony Towns, the local kid? I grew up watching him in high school. Okay, his um, St. Joe's team played my high school in the county finals. They obliterated us, but I didn't think he was that good at the time either. So uh, some scout I would have been. But anyway, I'm taking Towns. I like I like marking in at plus 650 as well, just because he's on my fantasy team. And I think he's he gives some good value. He's coming off a two. Uh, he was two for 11 in the first half last night. Um, so that's just a little sneaky stat. He was finished six for 23. Horrible. 261 field goal percentage. So I actually think he might turn that around for this three-point contest, and he might be a sneaky bet to to, to win this thing. So uh, my pick is is Towns officially. And then we've got uh, Steph versus Sabrina. Steph is minus 220. Sabrina's plus 160. I still think they might try to rig this so she wins it. So uh, watch out for that. Uh, skills competition is like teams oriented now. Don't care for that. The, um, where's the, uh, dunk contest? Oh, come on. They don't have odds for the dunk contest on DraftKings right now, but I know the couple guys that are in it. You've got Jacob Toppin on the, uh, Knicks rookie. You've got, um, Mac McClung, who's the reigning, uh, champ who's favored in this. Jalen uh, Brown, who's the biggest name in this, actually, I think is a sneaky one to pick here because all these guys are physically gifted nowadays. So the fact that we have shooting guards or point guards in the dunk contest it is is no big deal because these guys are just that good at, at and that gifted at getting off the ground. It, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. Uh, do I have the guys in the dunk contest? Because I kind of forgot who who's in this. Um, yeah, I don't have who's in this uh, besides Mac McClung. Let me just look it up real quick because now it's driving me nuts. I named three guys. Um, who is in this? Okay, ah, yes, Jaime Jaquez. That was the other one I was missing. Mac McClung, by the way, is still in the G League um, for the Magic, but he's the reigning defending champ. I'm not betting against him. I don't think Jaime Jaquez is going to even score. I mean, I don't, this guy can't jump off the ground. He's not a dunker. I have no idea why he's in. Jacob Toppin's a sneaky one because um, I know uh, I followed him a little bit when he was at Rhode Island, school my sister went to, and then when he transferred to Kentucky, and we all, all know, obviously, he's the younger brother of Obi Toppin who can dunk it and was the national player of the year at um, Dayton when, when he went there um, and was a top 10 pick by the Knicks. So that should be interesting. And then, of course, we have the um, the All-Star game on Sunday. The West is favored by two and a half. That seems to be a popular bet. So I'm looking forward. I always love the NBA All-Star weekend. It's my favorite All-Star weekend of any sport, really, besides the Major League Baseball um, All-Star game and Home Run Derby. I like the Major League Baseball All-Star game better than this one, um, but NBA Saturday All-Star weekend, there's nothing like it. Okay, we've also got UFC 298, Volkanovski versus Tapuria, if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, 
you know, again, Sunday is just the NBA All-Star All-Star game. Um, oh, and one final thing. A new Patriots documentary was actually released today on Apple TV+. Plus. I'm really looking forward to this. I will be watching this either tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow. It includes interviews with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady actually gets a little candid about his breakup with the Patriots. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. With that being said, enjoy your President's Day weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully we don't get too much snow. Um, if we do, stay safe out there. Don't drive in bad conditions. Take care of yourselves. Stay hydrated. Um, and enjoy the day off on Monday for President's Day if you have off, which most of us do, as do I. So I'm going to enjoy the three-day weekend, and I'm probably not going to do anything or go anywhere. So it's going to be great. All right. You've been listening to episode 234. I'm the of this week in sports. I'm the Pody signing off. Bye.